1: Hey, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Pure Flix podcast. This is another action-packed episode this week. We have two great guests on. We are going to be talking with Keith Loy. He is host of Finding Faith in Film. You can watch that right now on Pure Flix. And he takes a look at some of the theological themes in a number of movies. And one of the films we're gonna be talking about today is The Remaining. Now, if you haven't watched The Remaining yet on Pure Flix, keep in mind that this is a film really for adults. This is not a film for the whole family. This is a film specifically for people who like You know, kind of more of the thriller, scary genre. So just alert... Make sure you know that if you're going to dive into the remaining, but Keith and I are going to break down the theological themes you see in that film, what he believes as a pastor you can take away from it, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the episode he did on Finding Faith in Film, where he also dove into the remaining to pull out the end times tidbits that really give us a great lens into Scripture. And so with no further ado, I want to welcome Keith Loy to the podcast, but actually before I do, I want to mention that we have another segment and another guest. Coming on the show today, we have Dr. Steve Lemke, and Steve Lemke is a professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He is going to be talking about the mid-tribulation rapture theory. And so if you don't know a lot about that or what it is, we're going to get into that after this interview. But right now, let's talk with Keith Loy about the remaining and Finding Faith in Film. Keith, how's it going today? Going great, man beautiful day. Well, thanks for joining me. We are going to be talking about a couple of things today. You have got a fun new show called Finding Faith in Film. And that is really an exciting look at the different elements of faith in different films. And one of the first films that you looked at is The Remaining. And we'll get into what The Remaining is. And I guess I'll allow you to do that. But really... This is a film I first saw when it came out, and it had a profound impact on me as as a Christian and as somebody who who likes you know thrillers, you know I like to sometimes be on the edge of my seat, and this is a movie that sort of takes that element, that genre and brings in biblical elements into it what What most struck you about the remaining for me um... I thought it was
2: probably the best depiction of Matthew 24 than I've probably ever, ever seen. I fell in love with the movie when I saw it. Um, I'm saddened, if I could say it that way. I'm saddened that sometimes in the Christian world, the Christian circles, we tend to wanna, if we're not careful, water down reality. Um, We wanna make it palatable. and, And I think that gets us in trouble and so i kind of like i I like the thriller Uh, i i'm definitely one of those people that that loves things like this but i'm also a person doesn't believe that you have to shy away from truth and the reality and the fact of the matter is there is an end time and it's going to be very um it's going to be a very ugly event Um, let's just call it what it is i mean if you're not on the side of Christ. Um, It's a very real time, and I love the fact that Remaining took a risk, and I thought really captured it. You know, when Jesus talks about that you have people celebrating at a wedding, I mean, the the very words in Matthew 24, and all of a sudden, the end time happens, and we're oblivious to it. And I think that the movie did a great job of really helping people understand, are you really in the faith? Do you really understand what it means to follow Christ? So I I actually loved it and and have been telling everybody that I know the first time I ever saw it, you need to see this film. Because I think it it does the best job that I've seen to date of capturing a very real event that's still coming.
1: Well, and and the movie The Remaining, obviously the the title itself, it's about the people who are remaining after the rapture. And as you mentioned, the wedding, you know, what's what's so interesting is that the film starts with this exuberant, exciting event, this couple getting married. And I don't want to spoil it all if people haven't seen it yet. uh, But but when the rapture unfolds, you end up having these people remaining who have to deal with the fallout of that. And, you know, to your point, I think it's so interesting sometimes in the church how, you know, we can kind of whitewash things. We can make things sound, you know. Listen, the end times, it's not a its not a happy time when these things are going on. It's a an excruciating time the way that, that Scripture describes it. There's a lot of um, confusion, and I think we, we try to make sense of these things sometimes. But what you have in the remaining is an attempt to understand what Scripture is saying and to present that. And the reason it's so terrifying is because they're presenting those elements, those possible finer elements of what this might look like in a way that forces you to say, oh, my goodness, is this really what will happen? And what is the ramification to me not believing? Right. I mean, you start to you start to sort of question that um, if you're somebody who doesn't believe and even if you do believe you're watching the film and you're thinking, Man, I better really get. I really, <laughs> I better make sure that things are good and that I'm on. I'm on the right track here because this is a pretty, a terrifying time, right? That the film shows. Um, when when you talk about the end times, I mean, you're a pastor. Why is it so important? I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it at all. Why is it so essential though that Christians understand the theology of the end times? Well,
2: you know, that's an interesting statement. How you just said that. Um, understanding the theology, and I think that we're going to talk about that because there's definitely, I think, Scripture that's very clear. And and then there's there's Scriptures that easily, that we can muddy the water, if you will. And I think it's important. I love that word, theology. What does the Bible actually teach? And, and I think what's so important is, and, and it saddens me, and if I could just say, in the American church, I I sometimes wonder if people believe that there actually is a heaven or a hell, because you look how we live. I mean, there's this assumption that somehow tomorrow is not going to happen, and I'm going to get so caught up in today. And the fact of the matter, the Bible makes it very clear. There is an end time. This world that we know, planet Earth, has an expiration date. And, And Jesus said, not even the sun knows. But he tells us, and I think about it in Mark 13, he tells us, but you are to watch out. If you knew that your house was going to be plundered, you would be ready. And and none of us know, but each day we should live is that moment's coming. I don't know when the last breath I'm going to breathe is. Uh, but uh, I, I said I, I said from the pulpit the other day, I said, uh, please... I said, people, please don't read into this, but I sort of have a death wish. And what I mean by that is I'm really looking forward to the day that I'm going to be home with the Father. I know that that day is coming. I don't know when that day is. And so each and every day that I get up and I get to preach to you, I find it an incredible blessing and privilege. But I don't want it to be just a message um, that doesn't capture the hope of reality that tomorrow might be my last day. It could be my last day from the sheer fact that I'm going to die a physical death. It could be my last day that, that the Father returns and I'm going home with the Father. And I think it's very important that, that, that Christians, that people that, that attend church, they need to understand this is a very real moment in time. It's going to happen. And everything about this moment in time is how I choose to live. Because if, because if I have that written in the book and I know that God is going to return and I know that I'm going to be raptured home, then I need to care about those that, that, that don't know yet. And so to me, the end times has everything to do with how I live in the present day, if I could say it that way. And so I love this stuff. I, I absolutely love this movie. For me, it was a, it was a, a movie filled with hope is I think about who
1: I am and about this incredible privilege that I have to share the incredible good news of Jesus. You know, and, and people, and you that's so well said. I mean, people will get so hung up on the details of the end times, right? Is it going to happen this way? Is it going to happen the way the remaining showed it? Um, and, and it's interesting to me because I, and I would love for you to speak to this as a pastor, because I'm sure you see this a lot, but it does feel like a lot of people blur the lines between an understanding or a concept of what something might look like based on what we have in Scripture and a salvation issue. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, every bit of, especially with the end times, it's like it has to be this way. And and if you don't agree necessarily or if you have maybe a difference of opinion on, you know, pre-trib or mid-trib, that somehow you're not a good Christian. And so it's it's interesting to me in those debates because it seems like we're given a very – um careful and, and close and specific centerpiece of what Christianity is. And then we have a lot of things that are maybe uncertain about even in the film, specific details of what, you know, certain elements might look like. Can you speak to that a little bit on this issue and what you've experienced and seen in ministry? You know, absolutely.
2: I think there's definitely
1: um there's there's theological
2: positions. Um when we talk about a pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and I don't try to, to make it humorous. I get it. I, I get it that there's people that look at certain scriptures that point to certain ideas. Um, I tend to, without sounding humorous, uh, I tend to just say I'm sort of one of those pantheologists that that it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> um, you know, uh, definitely I I would like to say that I'm a pre-tribulation type of man, but if the tribulation starts and I'm still here, I'm going to quickly switch my position from pre-trib to mid-trib. Um, the only point I'm making is, is, here's what I know. Whatever I have to go through, because there's scriptures that you can make, if we're not careful, we can we can set our own theology and make scripture support it. And I think we got to be careful with that. I think the word of God was crystal clear that God knew what he was writing and so I don't want to set my position and make the scripture support it. I want to read the scriptures and make sure that that, that I'm clear on what they teach. And, and I think there's a fine line in that. And so for me, whatever I have to go through, it will never outweigh the cross of Jesus Christ of what he did for me, mm. for me becoming a Christian. And so um, I, I don't get lost into those things. What I do know is that Jesus himself said, there is a day, there is an hour of my return and I need to live today that it could be today. And I want to live that way. I want to live intentional. I want to live with a sense of joy and passion. And so I'll say it again. When I watch this movie, you know, I remember when I was a youth kid back in the seventies and I remember there was a movie came out about the mark of the beast and, and, it scared the heck out of us that we run, we, we ran to the altar because we didn't want to go to hell rather than understanding that Jesus saved us so we could be with him in heaven. What I loved about this movie is I didn't find the sense of uh, it scaring people in a sense, but painting a reality that, that given us a glimpse based upon scripture of some events that are very real that are going to happen and and that I don't want to be one of the remaining. And so I'm so grateful that I, I had people who led me to understand what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. And so when I saw this, I, I'll say it again, a present, a, a coming reality is helping me understand more and more about what it means to live in the present day and to be able to really live this sense of full life. And so getting up this morning, I went on a prayer walk. I go on a prayer walk every morning and being on my prayer walk and just excited about the day and and, and uh, watching the sunrise come up of knowing that God gave me a gift and that gift is today. It might be all I have, but I have a privilege of living it for something bigger than myself. And so for me, I don't want to get lost in the theology That can easily become so confusing to people when something that is crystal clear is this. There's a day coming. I don't know when. When Jesus said he doesn't even know, chances are I'm not going to figure that out. A day's coming
1: and I get the privilege today to live as if it could be today. That's powerful. That is a powerful word, and it's a focus on what really matters, the core of what the gospel really is. And we can get hung up on so many other details, and that doesn't mean that it's not important to discuss these things and have ideas about them and you know, even come up with concepts of my, what it might look like um but you brought up a number of things we don't date set right i mean there are people out there who have how many times have we seen this you know where people will say the end of the world is happening on this day and we're specifically told in scripture not to do that and so you know we don't get consumed with these things but we understand right. them and it points us back to all the amazing things that you just described now with all of that in mind, one of the things about The Remaining that struck me the most, and this is a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it, uh, but I think the, the trailer itself probably shows this, is that the people who are raptured, we're all very used to, to Left Behind and other films where people are raptured and their bodies are gone, right? They're no longer there. In The Remaining, the bodies remain behind. The soul you know, is what is raptured and is gone. And that was a completely different concept to me. It was kind of fascinating and it made me really think, wow, I never, I never thought of that as being a, as being a possibility. What was your reaction to seeing that? You know,
2: I, I at first, it was probably
1: uh, the exact same thing that you
2: felt, but it didn't take me long to not get lost into that. Um, You know, um, I, I obviously being in the church, we deal a lot with people who die, right? Death and their body is behind and, and and we grieve the loss knowing that Paul said what? When you're absent in the body, you're home with the Lord. And so I quickly, I didn't really get too lost into that just a little bit. Um, I was so just, to me, I was just so intrigued. Uh, I appreciated the abruptness of how that just how quickly Life can change, and and as you had said, there there there's an incredible blissful celebration at a wedding, and and I thought that the writers did just this incredible job of not just bringing in characters from the outside, but here you've got the actual parents of the bride, and yet here's the bride that's part of the remaining, and just the the. Depth of the personal, uh, right up in the front end of realizing folks the reality that just because you're raised in a Christian home doesn't mean that you're not going to be one of the remaining. Um, I really love that they tackled all of that right in the front end. So for me, I didn't get too lost into that, um, only maybe for a moment. I just kind of maybe had a head tilt. But again, I, I, I like something you said that I think is just brilliant. I love what you said that we don't get lost in the theology. That it's okay, it's good for us to discuss it. I love those words, and I would add, what saddens me as a pastor and in the Christian church, when we allow theology to divide us. Yeah, I love that we. It's like we've lost this idea that iron sharpens iron. I'm okay when someone disagrees with me, or doesn't share the same opinion. That's okay. But but it, but in the in the it, to me in the in the grace of God. In the presence of God, and in the and if we can for the testimony of God, let's sit down and we may we may be able to discuss it. And at the end, we still may not agree, but that's okay. And I I really loved what you said. Boy, if we could just get to that where, like a movie like The Remaining, instead of playing the critic, and the and the movie critic, how about we we choose to sit down, and let it let it. If you will ponder our imagination, let it let it bring about, and then let's open up the Word and let's have conversations that are healthy, that help grow us, that help sharpen us, rather than divide us. And so, um, that's one of the things I've loved about it. We've really encouraged all of the people in the church I pastor to watch it, and and they're having wonderful, healthy discussions. And they'll sometimes go, Pastor, what do you think? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to tell you what I think. <laughs> because I don't want to curb that because of who I am. I love the fact that you're having these healthy discussions. You're looking in the word and you're wrestling. What a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, no, it is. And I think, you know, when you, when you look at all of what you just said, especially the part where you see the characters in the remaining, and you reference this saying things like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I was a good person. I went to church. I did all these things. And yet I was left behind. Right. Why? and that was super fascinating and compelling to watch because that's real life. Mm-hmm. You know, that there are a lot of people who are going to be in that yes. in that position. Let's be honest, who are going to say I did everything right and you had the pastor, right, who's who's left behind in in the film and who I mean he's a pastor. You're a pastor, so you would think, you know, how did a pastor yeah. get left behind? But but it really deals with a lot of those a lot of those themes. And the reality is we're living in a world right now. And again we have to be very careful with date setting and assumptions because we've been living in the end times to a degree since you know Jesus you know, died and resurrected and and we know we don't know when that will happen. Uh, but there are a lot of events that have a lot of people questioning in the world right now where we are and what is and what is happening. And so um, these are important conversations as you were saying, for us to be, to be having. And I want to just talk a little bit about finding faith in film, because this is a really cool sort of look that you did much deeper. I mean, we're, we're sort of scratching the surface here of what you did um, in this, in this episode, but talk to us a little bit about that and about how you guys filmed it and what you're hoping people take away from it.
2: You know, I think there's a lot of churches um, throughout that love to use movie clips uh, use different, uh, an array of how can you take something like film and, and bring out a great message, um, a Christian, you know, biblical message out of it. Um, and I, and I think there's some brilliance in that because there's something about the power of a screen. There's something about a power of a movie and how it can tap in the human emotion, but not just tap into it, but something about the screen that can speak into our lives in ways that other venues, other media's can. I've always loved film. I, I grew up in, uh, and I could just cite all kinds of films that changed my life. And I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say always in a uh, true biblical sense, but there was something about it that made me think about what is life really all about. And it's the power. There's film is so powerful, and and what it can speak into in a two hour setting, right? And so I grew up just loving film and, and watching them. And so uh, we've done all kinds of things with it. Uh, and, and when COVID uh, took place, we realized that there were some things that we could not do because people were not attending live. They weren't coming into a building. Um, and And when we started even opening up that opportunity, We had a lot of people who just weren't going to come back. So I reached out to Rich and I simply said, you know, Rich, wondering if we could partner together, I said, because we have license um, within the church that we can do certain things. But there's a lot of things we cannot do. And I I simply asked him if we could partner together that somehow we could stream some things that we do here. And he just kind of intrigued, you know, said, well, what do you do? What are you doing? And um, I sent him some samples of some stuff that we had done in the past And uh, it really touched him. Um, And he said, wow, what if we couldn't partner together that we could just do this? And, and we need some, we need materials that we want to get out and broadcast. And so that's how it all started. And I I love the power of what I do in preaching. I love it. I love creativity. I think that um, no one should be more creative than the church. Um, And the church is filled with all kinds of creative people. And so um I, I love the, the fact, because I think that I don't, um, I'm not alone in this. Um, we all know that uh, when COVID hit, it not only affected the theaters, um, you know, people going to the theater, but it didn't, it didn't affect people streaming, um, you know, people downloading movies, people having family time. And I heard so many people talking about it. And so literally, I think ever since film has hit the airways uh, the majority of people love it they go to they go to film they bring it into their home they watch it and so my hope is by by using a media that people love and they love film maybe we could blend the two and we could actually you know speak into that we could pause for a moment um, where I hope that people would watch the remaining the whole movie because it's fabulous I I'm personally a big fan of it I think it's a great movie. Um, as is the game stands tall, Um, you know, uh, to me, two, two real life events that, that are very real and near to us. And, and speaking on the remaining, I think that, I think truly the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. And I think in every human being, whether they want to admit it or not, there's something that they want to believe that there's something bigger than just their life. There's something more to come. And I I, my hope with this movie is to help people to pause and to really think and to ask themselves questions. Um, You know, what am I really doing? You know, my life does matter. It can make a difference and there is more to come. And how I live today speaks volumes about what is to come. And I just want people to pause for a moment and stop and realize that life is not about really what you take. It's not about really what you get, but it's what you can give away. And, and this little window called planet earth, which is really a scratch on the, on the, on the eternal line of life, um, has a powerful, has a, can make a powerful impact and that your life does matter and it can touch other people's lives. And, and there's more. So, you know, I, I want people to really think, I, I've always said that, um, but well, I think the greatest thing that God gave us is is right here, and and if we could learn to just stop and think, pause and really ponder, and and think about the things that really matter, and um, and there is answers to so many of those questions that we have, and that God will provide them. And so, I I, I will say this, you know, Billy, if if when it's down to my depth, um, you know, I'm one of these little Jesus baby, little Jesus freak guys, and I I am so grateful that someone told me about Jesus and it's not religion it's not church so to speak um but this relationship that I have is is something real and you know people can argue about all kinds of things in life but the one thing that they can't argue is that I was once lost and now I'm found and and it's changed me and it's affected me and so I I just want to say in a shout out to you, thank you for what you do. Um, Thank you for the whole film world and and what it means and all the marketing that goes on to it. And, you know, I'm a a big believer, don't stop making them. Don't stop marketing them. Don't stop causing people to stop and ask questions, doing things like
1: this. Keep doing what you're doing
2: because it makes a huge difference.
1: Well, listen, I so appreciate everything you just said and people can watch Finding Faith in Film. They can also head over to PureFlix and they can watch the remaining. Thanks for your time today.
2: I'm honored. Thank
1: you.
0: Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're
1: back with more of the Pure Flicks podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell. That was Keith Loy talking about the remaining. Now, the next segment that we're going to have on the show today is going to go into the end times. If you remember on the last episode of the podcast, we actually had Jeff Kinley on to talk about the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, the rapture is a highly contentious theological construct, that is, idea, in the Bible, and some don't even see it in the Bible, right? So that's the debate. It's like some people see it there, some people don't. Some people believe that the rapture is one and the same with the second coming, and so we wanted to break down the three main perspectives, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation rapture. So today, we are going to have Dr. Steve Lemke on to talk about one of the more little-known theories, the mid-tribulation end times rapture theory. So with no further ado, let's welcome Dr. Steve Lemke to the Pure Flix podcast. Thanks so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Good to be here. So we are talking about the Rapture and the End times. And this has been a really fascinating series that we're doing here um, on our podcast and on our Facebook page to sort of help people understand the different perspectives on the Rapture. And so we started, you know, last week when we did our pre-millennial conversation and pre-trib rather, rapture conversation, we started uh, by, by sort of having the person who was on define the rapture. And so I wanted to have you do that as well. What is, how would you define the rapture if someone asked you?
3: Well, I think it's the event described in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4 <laughs> uh, in particular. And uh, so the question becomes, where are you, do you locate that in the book of Revelation and uh, pre-trib people tend to locate it in at Revelation one, and that seems to me to be and and I'm not again I'm I, I'm very I hold the view I hold with great humility uh, but uh, it seems to me that the problem with putting it at chapter four is it doesn't have all the events that were described in the eschatological discourse or Mount Olivet discourse in Matthew 24 and 25 and, and parallel passages uh, all those events are not described in uh, leading up to revelation four. So it seems to me that the better place to put it and not all, Mid tribulation is put it here, but I put it in in chapter fourteen. Uh, so because that that seems to fulfill all the criteria spoken of and in, and in, uh, as leading up to this event uh, in Daniel and particularly in the in what Jesus taught uh, in the Mount Al- uh, Olivet discourse. Um, and, and trying to find okay now where is that in Revelation because it's maybe not obvious as as you might think it would be but uh, uh, but it is the time when Jesus comes to take uh, believers at that time out uh, and uh, it's it's interesting the language for that word. Uh, you know, it describes meeting him in the air. He's not actually going to touch down, <laughs> but we're going to meet him in the air and go back with him. Uh, the idea is kind of like when you send out a welcoming party and uh, and, and greet people. So uh, we who are alive will, uh, well, first of all, those who are dead in Christ will rise. And then we who are alive at time, at the time Uh, would would meet him in the air and uh, and go to be with him and uh, so after that uh, the wrath of God is poured out and there are still some others who get saved through uh, various means but uh, uh, it's pretty tough after after the rapture
1: and you, you explain that so well. I mean, it, it's such an interesting thing, you know, this time of tribulation, the seven years. And, you know, with the pre-tribulation rapture, the idea is that you you miss all of it. You're not there for any of those seven years. You've been spared all of it. But this distinction is very interesting between the wrath, you know, that we currently have, the wrath of man, the wrath of, of, of evil, and the wrath of God as two different constructs. Now, what I loved and, and how we connected actually was a paper that you wrote on this. And I really loved how you address the issue with a lot of humility, which you just did as well here, you know, noting that this is a position, you know, the mid-trib rapture that is newer in terms of being formulated, um, you know, not, not speaking to whether or not it has a scriptural basis, but there are lots of things. And the reason I bring that up, there are a lot of things in the Bible, you know, words, as we were talking last week here, um, when we talk with Jeff Kinley, that are not in the Bible. The word "Bible" is not in the Bible, and yet we have a word for the concept, right? And so, w- how did you come to this mid-tribulation rapture view? I'd love to hear sort of your your history and your trajectory moving toward it.
3: Well, that's that's an interesting question. I, I was teaching at a at a Christian college, and I was assigned to teach an eschatology course, and I had always uh, been uh just kind of Christ is coming again and you you can't set specific dates or anything but now that I was teaching the course and and I had I had heard someone say once if you're going to pastor a church you need to know what your stance is on what your millennial stance is now that might have been a little more important a few more years ago when these things were being battled a little bit more but uh, I thought it was important for me as a teacher to have a view. So I began it with really no preset view. I wasn't trying to fit it into any particular theological perspective that I'd been taught. Uh, my, I probably had had, I'm sure I'd had mostly premillennial pastors, maybe one amillennial uh, uh in my background but really not anything taught dogmatically so i began it kind of as a blank sheet of paper and uh uh as as paul says in galatians 1 i didn't learn it from men <laughs> <laughs> so i i took the passages the the relevant passages in daniel and in matthew 24 25 the eschatological discourse the teachings of Paul, particularly in First and Second Thessalonians, and then the book of Revelation. And I tried to, okay, how do all these fit together? How can I put them into a coherent whole? Because I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, and I, I believe that all Scripture is a unity. So as I began to put them together, the thing that kept coming out to me was this statement seven times in scripture about in the King James, three and a half a time, two times time and half a time, which is generally understood to be uh, uh, three and a half years. And then later it talks about 42 months, three and a half years. There are even those interesting numbers of numbers of days uh that uh, both of them, one of them is two weeks more than uh, than exactly three and a half years and the other one is about eight weeks more. Uh, but all of these refer to this period that's in the middle and uh, great biblical interpreters like George uh, Eldon Ladd talks about the the, signs of the end, and then the events of the end. Uh, George Beasley Murray calls it the, the, um, the tribulation and the parousia. Uh, so I saw this division in all of these accounts. And I said, well, there seems like there's something here in the middle. <laughs> and um, uh, so just looking at that, led me toward this mid-tribulation perspective. But here was kind of the the thing for me. Uh, having a somewhat pre-trib background, I kind of was had heard, you know, we get out of the tribulation. But here's the trouble. Jesus says in, in John 16, in this world, you will have tribulation. <laughs> He's pretty straightforward about it. And in fact, in the New Testament, 47 out of the 55 times that that specific biblical word for tribulation is used, it includes believers. (laughs) So that seems to suggest that we're not necessarily guaranteed to be uh, removed from the tribulation. However, we are promised in Romans 5, 9 and twice in in 1 Thessalonians that believers will not experience the wrath, the orge of God. And uh, wrath is used nine, orge is used nine times in Revelation every time it refers to something the unbelievers experience. And it's used 27 times in the New Testament and it always refers to unbelievers. So that's why this view can be summarized as saying post-trib, pre-great trib. The great tribulation being the pouring out of the bowls of wrath, (laughs) Uh, or in the book of Revelation, the scroll are the events of are the signs of the end that say the end is coming, and then the little scroll is the events of the end and and the great tribulation. So uh, when I saw all that and I put those scriptures side by side and tried to harmonize them all together, that's what I came up with. Now, I was a little surprised because I wasn't trying to do that. And I really had never read anybody or heard this view before. And I said, this is really a weird view. Uh, what I have found out since is it's surprising how many evangelical believers have independently come to this position. Uh, I don't publicize the the uh, the paper that I wrote. I I've never published it. Uh, you kind of have to look for it to find it on my website. Uh, but almost once a month, I get an email from somebody who says, "You know, I came across your paper, and I was really convicted." You know,
1: so, you want to know uh, why? Because Google Google found your paper. Yeah, Google so is, was, uh, is yes. the
3: culprit. <laughs> because again, the, I yeah, Jesus said he didn't know when he was coming again, so I certainly don't. But uh, uh as I read the scriptures, that seems to be what most fits. But Hey, if he comes before the tribulation,
1: I'll rejoice. Uh, yeah, it'd and, be nice to get out of the other three and a half years. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I, it's it's interesting when you talk about because I think the the pre and the mid, you know, and I want anybody who who didn't catch last week's to go back and watch it after this. But when we talk about the pre, <clears throat> the big focus is on the escape of wrath in general. But when you talk about God's wrath, one of the things that Jeff Kinley spoke about. Was obviously Noah's Ark. You've got Lot. You've got so- the Sodom and Gomorrah narrative. You know, in in those cases, the people were taken out and they escaped the wrath of God. The mid tribulation perspective still accounts for that that escape, that being able to leave before the wrath of God comes. in. that's kind of that's kind of interesting to me that those two perspectives do at least share that. With that, am I summarizing that appropriately? I,
3: yes, and uh, and that's that's where I find the most disagreement with post tribulationists. Uh, some historical pre are uh, post trib. Uh, I think if that happened, it would be like the Noah account. Or another example from Scripture is uh, uh, that the plagues were poured out on Egypt, but the people the hebrew people were were protected from it and with regard to the last plague they were protected by the blood of the lamb so uh uh that is uh i think that is possible but again i i just don't think
1: god is going to pour out his wrath on on believers what do you think is, and you may have just said it um, there at the end, but what do you think is the most implausible theologically when it comes to the post-tribulation view, which we'll be just dis- we'll be looking at next week? I
3: think the problem is, uh, you know, what exactly is is the rapture all about? Uh, you know, I mean, why is in first Thessalonians is that kind of described in detail and uh, you know why would you need to be taken out there's nothing to be taken out of uh, so um, uh, and again it's this issue of believers not experiencing the wrath of God and uh, and so I certainly share that with pre-tribulationists that the difference would be I believe that I mean, I I believe we're already experiencing some tribulation now, and it seems to be getting worse, and not only in our country, but around the world. Uh, So many martyrs these days. So we are experiencing tribulation, realistically. Jesus said we would experience tribulation. So uh, I think we do have it, but we do not experience the great tribulation, as it's called.
1: Well, you make a great point, too, because if there's a new heaven and a new earth, and you know, there's so many different theories and, and theolo- theological ideas surrounding all this, but what are you being taken up from then, right? So that's a really compelling point that you raise there when it comes to the post-tribulationist and trying to sort of make sense of that. Of that verse, I'm going to have to ask about that next week uh, when I'm when I'm sitting down and talking about this. Uh, but one of the things about prophecy, and I would love your take on this. You know, it, when you look back at the Old Testament, I would imagine there were a lot of people waiting for the Messiah, and you know, you're kind of looking at these prophecies, you're trying to understand them. And when it actually happens, when Jesus comes, right now we can look back and say, "Oh, wow, that was a fulfillment." It's so easy to look back and see the different pieces of the puzzle, but while you're waiting. Before prophecies have unfolded, that's why we have these debates, because it is really complicated to put those pieces together. We're all trying to do it. We're all trying to make sense of it. And the puzzle pieces are there, but we're missing a few of them. And eventually, when we look back again, it, it will make sense. I don't know. Does that, does that description sort of resonate with you? Yes, it does. Uh, you know, the, the signs
3: of the end. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, they kind of happen all the time. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's a little, I, I, I said in my paper that I think people, we could actually be in the tribulation and not realize it. The old frog in the kettle illustration as it, I mean, it's kind of bad now. It gets a little worse next week, it, but, but it happens slowly and, and maybe we just get used to it and uh, which is a bad thing, but uh, 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 so you could literally be in the tribulation, as you said, I mean, on the one hand, when the wise men came to uh, to Jerusalem and said, where is the child to be born? Then the scribe said, oh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, uh, but, uh, and and later after Jesus explained it to the people on the Emmaus road and and others uh, and the instruction of the Holy Spirit they saw oh yeah all this was was prophesied in the Old Testament but they did and they knew that a Messiah was predicted but how he was going to come and the specific nature of his coming was described in detail but they didn't see it at the time. And I think it's possible that people today may not see some of the signs of the end uh, that I think are out there already. These, Again, these have been true in many days. Uh, So uh, that's why I think the coming, we have to be prepared for the coming of Christ to be imminent, that we could literally be in the early stages of the tribulation and not be fully aware of it.
1: And in fact, you would actually, so, you know, when we say nobody knows the day and the hour, you would actually potentially assume that that might be the case, right? That you may actually, But even, I mean, you could get really theological with all of this and go, but you know, if we really don't know the day or the hour, if we knew when the tribulation was going to start and we took a mid-trib perspective, we would then know, oh, it's three and a half years from now, right? Right. Right. Uh, so it makes me think we probably maybe wouldn't have any idea that we were, because it, it all feels like tribulation right now. And in some sense it is, but that, that real period, yeah, we could, we could be in the midst of it. Right. I really think so. And, uh, you know, so many
3: believers right now in the United States are saying, you know, I it's Christianity is, is in the worst position. It's, it's being persecuted more. And certainly it's not. Persecuted compared with people in other countries, but it certainly is harder to be a Christian, and it seems like it's going to be harder to be a Christian in the United States than it ever has been, and certainly it is in other, uh, like Afghanistan right now. It's literally a life and death issue, and uh, so uh, there is tribulation going on, but is it distinct enough from the tribulation that we have all the time that I, you know, yeah. I. If the tribu, if we were two years into the tribulation right now, I could look back and say, oh yeah, those last two years sense. were really tough. Right. But, but uh, uh, people would have said that at other times in history.
1: So I guess the message is be ready. <laughs> that's the takeaway, that's right? That the take is the away, important right? point,
3: yes, that his coming could be imminent uh, at any point,
1: even so come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. This was so helpful to understanding the mid-trib perspective. I really appreciate you joining us.
3: Well, thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing the other perspectives because they might be right.
1: And there you have it. They might be right. (laughs) I love that conclusion to that interview and the humility in that, uh, because that's that's really one of the things that makes this conversation so difficult is that people really get very fired up about it and passionate about it, which is not always a bad thing. But we have to be careful what we do with that passion. And so I so appreciate that conversation next episode of the show, we'll have our final discussion in it, and it will be our post-tribulation rapture discussion with Dr. Michael Brown, so you can stay tuned for that on the next episode of the Pure Flix podcast. And hey, head over to offers.pureflix.com and download the End Times Guide. This is a free resource that goes into all of the different tidbits of the End Times, not just the rapture, but the tribulation and some of the definitions and what they mean and what different people believe about it in the Christian realm. So you could check that out and be sure to check out the Evil's Last Days feed on Pure Flix. You could see tons of great content from Left Behind to the remaining down the line. Movies you'll want to check out as we think about the end times, as we think about the defeat of evil. You know, this is a time of month a lot of people focus on evil. We want to focus on goodness, hope, and truth. And so I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of the
0: Pure Flix podcast. Thanks for joining me. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pure and on Twitter at PureFlix. And be sure to log on today to Pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family-friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flicks Podcast.